Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. If you have your Bibles, the, um, the fourth book in the New Testament, by the way, it's okay around here if you want to use a table of contents, find the book of John. And when you find the book of John, we're going to go to the 13th chapter today. And in John chapter 13, maybe you've got an iPhone or an Android or an iPad or whatever. You just click, you know, on your version Bible. Uh, I'm using the English Standard Version today. That's what I preach from most often. And you can click on that version. It's a free app. And um, you can click on that starting next Sunday. Or, I'm sorry, Sunday after next, our outlines will be on that app. And you can just watch it on your iPhone and pull down my notes as you go and and so um, <clears throat> just open that up and push browse and then pick John and then go to the 13th chapter. And in the 13th chapter, Jesus makes this statement in the 34th verse. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then our main verse for the day is verse 35 where it says, by this... Now, what he means is, by all of what I just said, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus qualifies the kind of love that he's talking about. Jesus says, I'm giving you a brand new commandment, and my commandment is to love one another the same way that I loved you. Now, if you don't understand how Jesus loved you, how on earth are you going to love others the way he loved you, right? And so, so, so the, the, the lesson today, the teaching, is let's try to grasp and understand how would I understand that? How would I know that so then I could do that? So do you, for, for some of us that are old or, or those of you that have young daughters who still have to shop in those horrific little stores where you buy like those $3 rings, like Claire's, Satan created Claire's. <laughs> I, having to shop in Claire's is like literally somebody driving a nail through my head. It just, it just, if you have daughters, you understand it. If you have little boys, it's like, what? But trust me, you don't want to go to Claire's. You can buy mood rings, right? And they change based on your mood. Who knew? What if we all wore a headband that reflected how we loved one another? So like if it's green, I'm just loving Jesus. I mean, it's like Dr. Ron, like his would be like neon green, right? You know, I'm loving Jesus. I'm loving people. Green, we're good, right? Yellow's like, I'm loving God, but you're a jerk. Red would be like, I am so ticked off at the world right now. You with me, right? Like we all have this headband. And we'd walk around and people would know how we love God based on the color of our headband. Would that not be too bad or what? I mean, really, we'd walk into church and somebody like, how are you? (laughs) Right? I mean, we'd know. I mean, we wouldn't have to ask that, right? And wouldn't you love this? Which person would you walk up to and say, hey, would you pray for me? The guy that's got like flashing red or the green dude? 
right? Which one are you picking, right? I mean, but, but Jesus says, by your love, I'm going to know, people are going to know whether you love me or not by how you treat other people. So, so now, now watch this. Jesus puts a condition on how we measure that love. He says, people are going to know whether you're my disciples, you're my followers, you're Christians, whether or not you love other people the way I love you. So how did Jesus love us? Well, watch this. So here we were doing our own thing. And the Bible makes a statement that all of us have messed our life up and the Bible calls it sin. Like we break God's rules, so we sin. And when we break God's rules and we sin, then God's heart is broken because he looks at, at his creation and thinks, they did it again, right? But then God, who teaches us in the Bible that all have sinned and we've all come short of God's perfection. The Bible calls it his glory. We come short of him being perfect. God says, if I got a great plan for you, even though what you've earned, the wages of your sin is death and you don't get to be with me forever. God looks on us and he says, yeah, but I love you. Oh, how I love you. And he sends his son, Jesus, and, and Jesus, who does nothing wrong, never sins, never breaks God's rules. Jesus dies on a cross and sheds his blood to pay the price that me and you deserve because of our sin, and he takes that on. Now, he does that because the Bible says that there's no forgiveness of sin unless there's shedding of blood. So that's why the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God, because Jesus came along and he became the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for my sin and for yours. So the Bible goes on and says, so for whoever loves him, whoever gives their life to him, they'll be forgiven and they'll have life more abundantly today and eternally forever. So Jesus comes along and says, I give you this commandment. People are going to know how you love me by how you love other people. So how did Jesus love us? unconditionally. White, black, red, purple, green, straight, gay, pick it. He loved us. How, how, did, how, how, how did Jesus love us? Tall, short, fat, skinny, bright, dumb. He loved us, right? I mean, think about it. Just look around this room. I mean, look around the people. You know, it's a whole bunch of messed up people. They're everywhere. I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, you join a church and you want your church to be perfect. And then you realize your church isn't perfect, so you get mad at your church. When one of the ways you solidified it not being perfect was joining it. <laughs> because we're just messed up, aren't we? And, and yet, why do we join a church? Because we want all of God's love. And he says, people are going to know you by how you treat one another and how you treat other people. So if we wore those headbands and we walked outside, what color was your headband all week? Ouch. Now, here at Sugar Hill, we, we say that what we exist for, our mission, is that, that we'd be a place where anybody and everybody would be welcome home and they'd have an opportunity to grow and become a disciple and then a disciple maker. That's what we're about. 
You say, well, Chuck, what's the vision for this church? That we'd have a whole church full of normal people that love Jesus that would encourage other people to come become disciples and disciple makers. You say, well, Chuck, it's got to be more complicated than that. Not really. That, that's it. That's what we're all about. Period. You say, well, how are you going to do that? We have a plan. You ready? We're going to invite you to be a part of groups. What's plan B? Don't have one. We want you to grow up in Christ. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to know him to the degree that your life has changed. We want you to fall in love with him so you experience all of his grace, all his mercy, all of his love. Hence, become a disciple. And when you do that, want to encourage others and become a disciple maker. Make sense? You say, well, what are we going to focus on to do that? We're going to do four things. We, we want to focus on discipleship which is growing up, becoming more like Christ. Here's what Jesus said. The last thing he told us before he went to heaven to sit on the, beside the Father, he said, go and make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them everything that I've taught you. And by the way, I'll never leave you. I got you. That's what he said. So what do we do? Well, we, we, we want to go make disciples, Way to go, Lexi, baptize them. And then we want you to teach, teach you everything Jesus taught us. Well, what else do we do? Well, because he's with us always, we go serve people. That's what we do. What kind of people? Whoever needs help. Well, what kind of people in particular? Well, we like to help widows. We like to help orphans. We like to help kids. We like to help hungry people. We like to help homeless people. We like to help all kind of people. Why? Jesus loves them. Yeah, but what do you get out of it? Jesus saying, boy." It's a pretty cool deal. So we want to focus on discipleship. What we want you to do, if you've got your little hand out there, here's what we want you to do. We want you to commit to be part of a group. Did you know last year that we doubled the number of adults who attended Bible study last year? We doubled that. On any given Sunday, we have about 1,200 adults on this campus, okay? And, and did you know that 70% of those people are in a group already? Does that not blow your mind? We doubled the number of people who go to a Bible study group last year. So this year, we want the other 30% to find a group. And you say, well, Chuck, you know, I don't, I don't do that. The whole Bible study, that's not for me. Why? Well, I don't do Sunday morning. Okay, go Tuesday morning, go Tuesday night, go Wednesday morning, go Wednesday night. You know, Chuck, has, then go to the gym or come here and do Zumba. Or, hey, you say, well, I can't do it every week. Well, Amy Henderson has a group meets once a month. Well, you're, you're, you're a woman and you say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a husband. I don't, you didn't come to church. Go to Jenny's group at 930. That's a bunch of crazy women go to that class. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the stories I hear from that class, oh, my stars. Charles over there went to Reuben's class. Yeah. You know what the name of Reuben's class is? Weird. I mean, come on, there's something for everybody. Here we got 40 something choices for you to pick. Now, here's, here's how you say, well, Chuck, I, you know, I don't really pay attention when you give announcements here. I don't look at the website. When you send me those emails, I just delete them. I get it. I get it. You know, you've been getting these brochures and they're out there. Every listing you could ever want is in here. 
right? So today, you, you take one of those cards, info cards or an offering envelope or something, you write your name, your email, and then you put the code on there and you say, I want to do that class, or at least I want information about where it's going to meet, and then you give it to the table on the way out, or you go to the table and you register to be a part, because all these groups start this week. Um, there, there's room in, in, in most of our groups. There's some of them we had to close because they were just, like the Cervantes class, like that fills up first every time, I and mean, that's like a party group, and so they, they always fill up. You know, like if you, there's still room in my class on Wednesday nights. We eat good. You, you don't come to a place and eat. Mine is your group. All right. But I don't know what gave that away, but I mean, just, you know, come on. But there's always a group. So, so here's what I want you to do. Sign up, attend, and then just start doing your homework that comes to your group. It's that simple. All right. So do that. We're about, we're about discipleship. We're about evangelism. Why? Well, Jesus said, go make disciples, baptize them. That's what we want to be about. And so let's say there's 500 and plus people here in the room today. And, um, and on national averages, two of you sometime this year are going to tell somebody about your relationship with Jesus. Two of you this year. That's embarrassing. All right. So, so what we're going to say, what we're going to ask you is, what, what, if, what if 30 of you this year said, I'll do that? But what if the rest of you were to say, I'll tell you what, I'll take a baby step. I'll just invite somebody to church. What if you did that? I don't know if Mandy and Paul Brown are here today. I didn't see. Oh, hey, y'all. Hey, Mandy. Mandy posted. Uh, how long have y'all been members? Yeah, so just a little while. Yeah, so Mandy posted on Facebook the other day. Uh, I was out last week. You brought guests last week. She posted on Facebook. She said, I brought guests last week and my church didn't embarrass me. Yay, I love my church. <laughs> It's something like that. That's a paraphrase. What if you just invited somebody to church? I mean, how hard is that? Hey, hey, come to my church. Listen, you know the music's going to be great. You know the preaching's going to be mediocre, but you know the people are going to be awesome. But just why not, right? Just bring people to church. I mean, how hard is that? Hey, I love my church. Come to church. And you say, well, you know, I just can't do that. I'm just so afraid of rejection. Wimp. I mean, come on. But now if you can't do that, if you can't do that, what if, what if you just posted on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter something about your church? Well, I don't really know what to write, so here's the deal. So you can go to my Facebook, which is facebook.com slash bigchuckallen, and um, every morning, every night, I'll post a pic or something, and you can share mine, or you can just copy and paste. I, every, every morning and night, I'll post a tweet, and you can just retweet it. Fair enough? You don't have to think. It's just like click a button, done, right? And you can be a part of sharing that story about your church on there. And then we want to be about missions. So, you know, if you say, well, you know, Chuck, I can't go to Kenya. I can't go to Cuba. I can't go to Haiti. I can't go to Eleuthera. I can't, you know, can't go to the Dominican Republic, all the other stuff we do. But, you know, you can give to help somebody go. Or you could help us locally in our local schools, backpacks, uh, salt and light projects, million other things to do. Do something. Missions. And then finally, money. We, we want to get rid of debt. At one time, this church was in debt over $8 million. Now it, it's like $5.6, $5.7 million. This year, we want to get rid of $400,000 worth of that debt. You know why? Because every time we make a mortgage payment, I feel like we put a match to tens of thousands of dollars that we ought to be spending to help feed hungry kids. So let's get out of that mess and let's do something for the glory of God. So that's what we're about this year. You say, well, Chuck, what does that have to do with loving one another? Because you can do that best when you're in groups. You get in a group. Scott Willis has taken my Wednesday night group, doing Bibles and barbells, having a workout down at Bodyplex and leading a Bible study. Why not? 
Like Maggie Green do, is doing Zumba on Thursday night and then a Bible study. I mean, there's something for everybody. We want you to get in groups. I looked, did you know that in scripture there's, there's 50 plus one another scriptures? This is, this is how we're supposed to treat one another. I found 21 that I, that, that, that really interest. Don't worry. I'm not going to give you 21 scriptures today. All right. But just, just let me give you a sampling of them because that love is best portrayed through this. Romans 12, 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.13, bearing one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Romans 15.7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I mean, scripture goes on and on. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I mean, in today's culture, how can we possibly live out those commands? The best way I know is in a group of people who want the same thing I want. I mean, you're at church this morning, for goodness sake. There's something in you that said, I want to make a difference. I want my life to be right. I want to be in right relationship with God. The best place to do that is in a group. To get in a group with a group of people who will help you and encourage you in that process. I mean, sign up, attend, do your homework, discipleship, evangelism, tell your story, invite people to church, post something about Sugar Hill Church. Missions, go, give, serve. Money, give, start, do it till it hurts. I mean, this, this isn't complicated, but we best do all that in groups. We do it with small groups of people. It's amazing to me. Did you realize that? I didn't realize this. Based on the number of members and attenders we have, our church would have been in the top one half of 1% of churches in America based on growth and baptisms last year. Now, that makes no difference to me. I mean, it's not worth 10 cents to me, but it does tell me this. When you double the number of people in groups and you see that's what happens, God blesses groups. God blesses the church when she thinks smaller, not bigger. The goal isn't to get more people in this room. The goal is to get more people in homes and in classrooms that are studying the Bible so that they can go live in that band across their forehead through the week is green, not red. But you don't get that in here. You get that in those groups. You get it in groups of 8 and 10 and 12 and 15. You get in that small group where people can, can be honest and open with us. And, and we don't just say, hey, I'm doing great with everybody. You say, well, Chuck, why should I get into groups? Well, I'm going to give you a handful of reasons here. You ready? Number one, groups encourage us. I, I don't know anybody that woke up this morning and said, you know what? I'm going to church so that somebody can just beat the fool out of me. Uh, you know, I, I've kind of had it up to here with shouting preachers. I mean, are you in that? I mean, I, I don't want to come to church and somebody holler at me. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know how many years I went to church and somebody picked a verse and shouted. It's like, dude, calm down. What if I don't think Jesus would scream at me? I, I mean, are you with me? I mean, I, I mean, at the end of every statement, do I really need to finish with ha? Ah! 
for you to get it. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's lost on me, you know? So I want to, I want to be encouraged. I think Jesus, I really believe Jesus would walk into your home and say, had a boy, that's my boy. Keep going, run the race, right? Why not be in a group that would encourage you? I mean, groups do that. I think that's so cool. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ coming back. There was a young guy who got mad at his church. And by the way, it happens all the time. I mean, the churches are going to let you down. I mean, pastors are going to mess up. They're going to say something stupid. I mean, somebody, you, you ever got mad at your church? Of course you're not going to raise your hand. I'm looking at you. Um, If I turned around, most of you would go, yeah. But I mean, it's because we're just a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, it's just a bunch of messed up people who came together to try to figure out how do we grow up to love Jesus a little more and have all of his grace and all his mercy flow over us because we need it. So badly we need to be encouraged with the blessings and the goodness of Jesus and walking in his faith and resting in his arms. And, and so this guy, he gets frustrated with the church because it doesn't happen his way, right? And so he decides the courage and he gets up the courage and he goes to talk to the pastor and he gets, in the, he gets to the pastor's home and the pastor walks him in the den. They've got a fire going in the fireplace and this guy's pouring out his guts about, man, this church, it just didn't meet my needs and he's mad right so the pastor goes over and takes the fire tongs and he gets in the bottom of the fire and he gets one of those lumps of wood that's still orange hot and he pulls it out and he sets it on the um he sets it on the on the hearth and within minutes you watch it go from orange to black to gray and the pastor says go over and pick that up and the guy says no it'll burn me he said no go ahead and pick it up i ain't gonna do it so the pastor walks over and he picks it up and holds it in his hand like this and he says you know what he said, this is going to be just like you. You're going to go cold and gray because you're not in the middle of where the heat is. You want to grow to become like Christ. You want God to do something great with you. You want to get your life right with Christ. You got to be with others who want the same thing. Otherwise, you're going to grow cold. Let's be in a place that would encourage us. Secondly, let's be in a group because it grows us. It matures us. It grows us up. I don't know a single person that doesn't need to grow up in Christ, including me. Every day, you know, my goal is I want to be a little bit more like Jesus. I don't want to be like some other pastor. I don't want to be, you know, a super cool dude. I don't want to, ha- I don't want to pastor a cool church. I just want to be a little more like Jesus. How about you? And what a great goal, huh? Let's go where it grows. As groups engage us. They engage us. They give us an opportunity to serve. We're going to crank up salt and light projects this fall. I mean, this spring. This spring, we're doing 40 days of one to another where our singular goal is how many of us can go serve our community. How many of us just get out there and go serve our community? 40 days of one to another. It's where we engage in groups. That's how you know what to do and where to go and what to be a part of. And finally, groups serve us. When we have need, when, we, when our life is falling apart, groups serve us. This week I went to Patty Bramlett's um, mom's funeral. The Bramlett's are just the sweetest family. And, and I, went, I went to the, the funeral. And, and you know what I heard Britt and Patty say? Our class has been so great. They've brought food. They've been here for us. They've cared for us. That's what groups do. Why wouldn't you want to be with a group of people who love on you and care for you? And when things go, go difficult, they know what's happening. Most of the ministry of this church doesn't happen out of my office or Bobby's or Hector's or Ryan's or, or Scott's or anybody else's. Most of the ministry that's happened happens in groups from people just like you. You say, well, Chuck, I, I don't get it. 
Well, you know, there, there, was, a, there was a circus performer, in, and believe it or not, it was in the Kazakhstan National Circus. I, I actually read this story this week. Dude by the name of Birkin, he's 21 years old. He's a contortionist, which just the simple fact that somebody makes a living as a contortionist is weird to me, but, but, he, but he was. So he, he's practicing one day before the circus that night, and he got his right foot stuck over his left shoulder. Weirdo. So, so he's sitting there asking for help, and all the other circus dudes are just walking by, not helping him. What in the world? So later, the, the Associated Press interviews this guy, and here's what he says. And I, I, Let me read the quote. I think the problem was that I didn't warm up very well. I just became stuck. It was frightening because it was really hurting me and because I could not move. Birkin 21 of Kazakhstan said his circus co-workers at first ignored him when he shouted for help because the guys watched Birkin every night. They thought he was joking at first, but then they realized he was being serious. Well, yeah, let me just say to y'all, if you ever see my right foot stuck over my left shoulder, I need you. I should be clear here, right? You know, you know what the answer is? Sometimes you put yourself in a position where you're stuck and you need some help. And groups are where you get it. Why wouldn't you want to be there? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? You say, well, what happens in a group? Well, you meet for about 10 minutes yakking and how you doing and eating donuts and drinking coffee and stuff, right? Then you do about 30, 40 minutes worth of Bible study, and then you share your needs and prayer time. And then if you're like my group, you break out like those meatballs you use toothpicks for, you know, and somebody usually brings nachos. And when, when they make that cheese dip with Rotel and Velveeta, and they've got those really, anyway, we really eat good. That's kind of what happens in a group. It's like the most important 70 minutes of, of your week. Who, who doesn't want to be a part of that? Well... Here's what I know. This book teaches me that I need to have meaningful relationships that lead me to have purposeful ministry. And that's what you do in groups. Because you see, every person I know needs Jesus. Every person I know needs his grace. Every person I know needs his mercy. Every person I know needs friends. Every person I know needs a group. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? And let his grace flow over you and know you're encouraged and know you're engaged and know you're growing and know you're serving. Let his grace flow over you.